0: my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God speak. Happy Saturday and welcome to the Saturday version of The Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today... We're venturing into First Peter. Peter writes three little episodes in the Bible. And if you recall Peter's the one that Jesus said would deny him three times, and now we have three episodes from Peter. Hmm. Interesting. And then Peter is also the one that Jesus met with after he resurrected. On the Sea of Galilee shores and said three times for him to feed my sheep take care of my lambs take care of my sheep so it's interesting how all this comes to be but really what it is is it's Peter coming through this school of hard knocks right So he is writing to us, trying to encourage us because he's learned many things the hard way. He's endured, and he wants us, in my opinion, this is not from some commentary, he is wanting us to learn and be encouraged because he's had to learn some things the hard way. You know, when Jesus said, you're going to deny me, he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to die. I, I would go to the cross and die with you. And sure enough, when the stuff hits the fan, he denies him. And, it, you know, on that third denial, when the rooster crows, he runs away weeping bitterly, the, the word tells us. So, you know, in my efforts of teaching when I was on the streets as a paramedic I was the lead field instructor and so that was my idea too was hey there's certain things that I had to learn the hard way and I want to help new paramedics learn this stuff learn the tricks I know learn the the methods I know that are really helpful so they don't have to learn it the hard way. So this really is what Peter is trying to tell us. So he starts off with some really good words of encouragement. And he says, hey, the greatest thing ever is we got eternal life in Jesus Christ. We live with this great expectation that we have this priceless inheritance that's kept for us in heaven, pure and undefiled, that's beyond the reach of change or decay. And it's through your faith that God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Now, you get salvation when you accept Jesus through grace by faith. So it's by faith that you have this, right? We're living in it because we're trusting and abiding in his great love. But this whole salvation that we're living in becomes sight. That's the key word in this. The salvation we're living in becomes sight on that last day when it's revealed when we get to heaven. What are we revealing? We get to see Jesus. We get to see heaven. We get to see this inheritance we're going to get. So his encouragement for us is these trials that we have when we get many trials as we live in the world, but we're not of the world as followers of Christ will help us show that our faith is genuine. It's truly tests in us just as fire tests and purifies gold even though our faith is more precious than mere gold, Peter says. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus is revealed to the whole world, because you did it. You know, my girls in my basketball team the other night, they went through many trials through the course of a whole game playing someone that was similar to them and because of their faith in each other the team persevered through a lot of trial through the course of uh 20 what is it 24 32 minutes and they one by one point. So there'll be times, you know, when we go through persecution and it's going to seem like we're barely making it. But when we make it and the final countdown is over, we're going to see Christ and the glory will be revealed. You know, and just like when they won, the the place stormed the floor it was a unique scene. We're gonna be able to go to heaven and storm the floor. We're gonna be so elated. You know, and it reminds me of a Mercy Me song, you know, where he says, I can only imagine. Will I stand before you, Jesus, or will I fall to my knees? You know, what are we going to do? Are we going to be in, so in awe that we're just going to stand there? Are we going to be dancing and, and woo-hooing because we're in his presence? Or, you know, because there's going to be jubilation there. And, and so Peter gives us credit because, you remember, Peter was a disciple that walked with Jesus and made his many mistakes, even though Jesus was right there in his presence, right? And so Peter gives us credit in First Peter one eight. He says, "You love him even though you've never seen him, and though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward, the, sorry, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls." Man, that's huge. You gotta think about that. Here's a guy writing that is giving you kudos, giving us kudos because we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And here's a guy that walked with Jesus, swore he would never betray Jesus, and then when push came to shove, he walked away. Only to be forgiven and then become one of the greatest apostles out there. One of. So he's writing to us and saying, hey, look, it doesn't matter where you've been. If you just give your heart to Jesus, this stuff can be for you. And you can be elated and be one of those chosen as well. Because God chooses you. He sees something in you. So he says you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. See, he's remembering. When the push came to shove, he went back to his old ways, right? So he's encouraging us, don't do that. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with your all your heart. Man, that's huge. So he's saying, man, don't don't get separated and divided over. Petty things that don't matter. Don't demand your own way. Remember 1 Corinthians 13? You know, I needed to show some people that the other day. So he says, get rid of all evil behavior. Don't be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. we got to be like new babies p- craving pure spiritual milk all the time so we can be perpetually filled with the Holy Spirit and let that come into us all the time because we are God's living stones. God is building us into his spiritual temple. We are his holy priests, can you imagine that? And through the meditation of Jesus Christ, we offer spiritual sacrifices that please him. So what are our spiritual sacrifices? That's the things we offer every day and say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. We sacrifice our old way of life to him every day because we know that he's the cornerstone. And in him, in cornerstone, Christ alone, we stand firm because, you know, he is the stone the builders rejected. And he's the stone that many people will stumble over. They they stumble because they don't they don't obey God's word, and they meet the fate that was planned for them. So here's the thing: if we obey Him, and I, you know I looked that word up, and I, I'm like, man, obey's so hard. It's a lot of people take that as hard because they're so self-driven, you know. People look at obeying and oh, I'm not obeying that, you know, it's like when vaccines came out or mask mandates came out and people were recommended, you know, this could save your life. Well, you're telling me to get it. And I'm not getting it. <laughs> so they wouldn't get it. But yet they'll go get antibiotics for strep throat or something, you know, they're telling you to take antibiotics. And I'm not saying you got to do either or I'm just making a point. But here's the thing. The Bible's full of obey, right? And I'm thinking, well, the Lord's saying obey me. So there's those people that are so self-driven because I'm not letting anybody tell me what to do. So where are we in that spiritual walk then? Because the Lord tells us what to do all the time and obey is in the Bible all the time. And so I looked up that word obey and It's really meaning, if we look it up and study it back far enough, to follow, to go along with. And so a lot of times when I see obey, and I think that, and I think all these headstrong people that, that, well, I'm not letting anybody tell me what to do. I think of that, and I'm like, so if we had to make it easier for those people to try and get them to understand, God really just wants them to go along with and to follow him. Now, that in itself is still a lot for people, but if we had to make it user-friendly, that's what he's saying. really saying come with me, you know? So, because you're temporary residents, Peter says, and foreigners of this world, we're not gonna be here forever, everybody's got an eternity, and it's whether we're going to follow the way of God or obey what God has put out for us to have this eternity with him, Or are we going to say, and nobody going to tell me what to do, and go the way of the world, which is the king of this world is Satan and his principalities. Are we going to do that? Everybody's got a choice, and it's going to boil down to one simple decision. Yes, I want to follow Jesus. No, I'm going to follow the way of the world. And so Peter says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors because they're going to be there. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. See, it's coming down to that. Did you or did you not? So for the Lord's sake, I love this because Peter writes about this, Paul writes about this. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed, because the king has been sent there for a purpose. He's been appointed by God himself, and he's there to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Now, the king... They had kings in their days. We have presidents and prime ministers in our days. And a lot of times we get so caught up in who's where. Here's what I want to remind us of. In the days of Moses, even Pharaoh was put in his place of position by God. But even Pharaoh, they had to honor and Moses had to go before Pharaoh by God's hand and talk to him about letting the people leave Egypt. And even as Moses went to talk to Pharaoh, you could see where, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, people look at that and say, No, why, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Here's what that really is talking about. Because Pharaoh didn't want to let the people go, and because God gives even Pharaoh free free will and free choice, that whole dissension, divided attitude, fight between the principalities of good and evil, God in his wisdom gives pharaoh that ability to have a hardened heart that's what that means he gives him the ability to have a hardened heart god didn't stop it he gave him the ability because he has free will like anyone else and so his heart is hardened so if we got a authority figures in our world today that are doing things that we don't like. First of all, God allowed them to be there. And second of all, maybe they're there for a purpose because God has a bigger plan that we don't see, just like he had with Pharaoh and Moses. Because if we recall, Moses wins that whole thing. Moses gets the people out. Moses gets them out and goes across the Red Sea on dry ground. But then Pharaoh's people, they get swallowed up and drowned. Moses' people are saved when the death angel goes over on Passover. But even Pharaoh loses his son to the death angel. So, see, God puts people in place for reasons. And we just got to trust God. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered. He he didn't retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God. This is what Peter's writing here. Who always judges fairly. Christ personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin, and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. Wow. That's what we always gotta remember. And I always think about that when I see people just rebel rousing. And I mean, I even heard a pastor say, well, what if I'm, I don't mean to be a rebel, but what if I'm put in jail because I'm gonna protest? And I'm thinking, where is, the love of Christ in that. (laughs) You know, because when Jesus was standing before Pilate, the only thing he said was, the only power you have is that which is given you from heaven. And man, that gets Pilate thinking, right? He didn't call 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set himself free. He took it. And he took those sins, he took those things, he took all the things that we could ever, 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 ever suffer to the cross. And so Peter's reminding us of that. So he gets into chapter three and he talks about submissive relationships, you know, wives, respect the authority of your husband. And you know, people look at that and try to make that bigger, but you know, husbands if we study love languages husbands like to feel that and that's what he's saying help them feel good about themselves all right but then he says to the husbands and here's what really to me this is huge because i've always been an advocate for females in the workplace and women's sports because my daughter's played men She is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Men, she's your equal partner. You can't lord over her. You can't treat her like she's some peon. You can't force her into things. You can't make her do things. She's your equal partner. Talk to her. Communicate with her. Make let her in on everything. I you know my wife and I don't do anything without communicating it between each other. Period, <laughs> and that's what Christ headed relationships should be. We made that decision with each other before we ever got married, and that's why we know God is ahead of our house. He's ahead of our relationship. He's ahead of our marriage. He's ahead of our family, and and we stick to that. And we even, you know, remind each other that every so often, even today, 27 years later, hey, remember, God first, us second. And, you know, because we get, we don't really get in squabbles, but we get into times where life gets difficult. With our jobs and the things that are going on. And we just remind ourselves that, hey, as long as God's first, everything will be okay. And so that's what Peter is telling us men, do not make yourselves greater than you think you should be. You know, and my wife has always been super, super, super good to us. She is everything for us. So if there's any inequality, she would be superior and I would be inferior. But we work together and we know that it takes both of us to make this work. So men, make sure you realize she's your equal partner in God's gift of this new life. Christians. This is for Christians Paul Peter's writing about. All of you should be of one mind. Ooh. That's that should be like written boldly and printed on every <laughs> piece of Christian memorabilia and plastered on the walls of every church in America. You should all be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. And be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Wow. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. See, sometimes people will have a day. And we don't realize they're having a day. So things get a little stinky. But sometimes, you know, Paul wrote, be forgiving just as Christ was forgiving of you. Turn away, Peter writes, turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Because the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. If someone's having a day, we just got to figure there's something more to it than we understand. So we... Search for peace and work to maintain it. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And he says, if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. See, sometimes we get on a soapbox when we're trying to explain our faith and we get so wound up in it that it comes out, almost angry because we have it and you don't and you need Jesus, you know, and that turns people away, man, they don't, they don't, they don't want to hear that, they don't want condemnation, they want love and acceptance and so we got to be careful on how we present too and, you know, I had to repent of that just the other day and someone who, is not a believer like I am, just doesn't understand that. And I said, there's a right way and a wrong way. And I didn't do it exactly the right way. And the Lord checked me and I said, and I hear the Lord. And he said, yeah, but you have, the, you have, the Lord gave us emotions and you're entitled. I said, there's no entitlement here. There's just the leading of the Holy Spirit and that shut, shut that person up right right away. And that's what Peter's talking about. Search for peace and work to maintain it and live the holy life just as Christ calls to live the holy life and don't get into those things so that when your Christ-filled life is the way it's supposed to be, then they can't say anything about you. Because he says next, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. And that's what we got to try to follow every day because if we live the way Christ wants us to, then it'll all work out because your former friends will be surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive living that you used to live. So they might start talking about you. And, you know, I know some of us, I know, you know, I tell a story about some guys I used to play softball with, and we played super competitive, and we played all the time, and, you know, myself, and, you know, I become a pastor. My other friend, he's a professor of theology, super wise, super super strong Christian, and, and the other guy that we worked with, he... He's in radio and he's still in radio. And I, you know, I meet him. We're at a a baseball game because I'm now I'm playing baseball, right? And he's (laughs) he's telling me about Rick, and he's like, "Man, Rick's like lost it. He's over the top. He's early out there." And really, Rick is like super strong believer in Jesus, and he's doing great things, wrote a lot of good articles. And I mean, he's just going on. And him and Rick used to work in radio together, and uh, Rick's classmate of mine, and super good. And I'm letting him talk, he has no idea what I do. And so we're standing in the crowd behind the bleachers, waiting for our turn to play. We're on different teams. And so he's like doing all this and then he says, hey, so what do you do now? And I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And he got embarrassed and he's like, oh, really? And I said, yeah, I am. And he said, uh, okay, hey, well, I gotta go and you could tell that everything he just said about my friend Rick just came to a heap right there and he was embarrassed beyond words and didn't know what to say so he just left all of a sudden because it wasn't ready it wasn't our time to play so he just kind of went to the other side so i learned a lesson from one of my fellow pastor friends because i learned that you know, the whole time before Jesus and me got together, I said a lot of bad things, too. And my pastor friend never corrected me. He just let me go off. And then uh, when I found out he was a pastor, I was like, dude, you knew I was wallowing like that. And you never said anything about what you did or what. Because I didn't know he was a pastor. I just thought he was a co-worker in the ambulance. He worked with us part-time. And he said, no, I knew Jesus would correct you one day. I knew Jesus would get a hold of you. And I said, that's so cool, I wanna learn from that. you know." Because he didn't condemn me, he didn't come after me, he just let God do that. Now that's why I say, if mum's the word, the spirit's heard and the work gets done. And that's exactly what he lived. And that's how I was living with this guy. Because I was like, you know, I'm not gonna say nothing because Holy Spirit's gonna convict him as soon as he figures out things. And when I, I said I was a pastor, man, it's like the, the Holy Spirit was like, whoa, see what you did? And so he went to the other side. So Paul, Peter, sorry, Peter says, the important thing of all is to continue to show deep love for each other. Because love covers a multitude of sins. We got to be loving. God has given each of us a gift and a spiritual gift. So whatever that is, you got to share it. You can't take it and set it in a closet and leave it there and never use it. So if your spiritual gift is speaking, then be a speaker. If your spiritual gift is helping others, then do it. If your spiritual gift is is uh building things for people that can't afford it then do that if your spiritual gift is giving hugs as a greeter then give those hugs as a greeter if your spiritual gift is helping people go find a seat when they come into the church and welcoming them that's a true story there's a a lady that didn't know what her gift was but she made people feel welcome she was the greatest welcoming person the church ever knew. And so the pastor pointed out to her, hey, look at this gift you have. You make people feel welcome. That's what God wants to do through you. So she became that and was the greatest asset in their church and helping people feel welcome when they came in. Use it. That's a, a, a thing that most churches need really big is someone that will help people feel welcome. And then Peter says if you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you'll be blessed. (laughs) Because that's what he does. There's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of just being called by his name. Trust your lives to the God who created you for he will never fail you. And so he closes out his book And, you know, I like to say Book of Hard Knocks because it's Peter. But it's just the first one. We got two more we're going to get to. And he says, watch over, care for the flock. Remember, Jesus said, watch over my sheep, right? So Peter's saying, hey, watch over your flock. If you're a leader in the church, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you'll get, but because you're eager to serve God. And you know, I got myself and my super good associate, Andy. We watch over the flock as best we can and it's definitely not for what we get because neither one of us are getting paid. And it's so awesome because he does a great work people we love our people and our people love us back we we know that we feel that and he warns us don't load lord over them lead them by our example and i think you know i think we do a good job in that i think andy does a super good job in that so and i always think of my supervisor that i had when i was on the ambulance before i became a supervisor she She would, there was nothing she would have us do that she wouldn't do first. And she would always be in there on her hands and knees, scrubbing floors, baseboards or whatever if we had to do that in our downtime because we worked 24-hour shifts. She would be first to lead us. You know, washing ambulances, whatever. That was her, doing it first. So, excuse me, I always think, you know, You got to lead by example. So, and that's what Peter's telling us. Shout out to Mama Z. She's a cancer survivor and the greatest supervisor I ever had. So, lead by example, leaders. Don't lord over your people. Don't make them think you're something you're not because we're all equal in this walk with Jesus. And give all your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. What a great, first edition of Peter's books and man know this I love this part he gives us in first Peter chapter 4 trust your lives to the God who created you for he'll never fail you let's carry that today and as we go into our Sabbath and know that our God never fails us Have a great Saturday. We'll see you tomorrow.